my name's Sylvester McCoy. I played Doctor Who. <laughs> Number seven. Yes, a long time ago. Anyway, you're listening to Neil. No, you're not. Listen to me. Anyway, you might be soon listening to Neil. Podding. Whatever that is. Neil Before Blog presents... Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to another temporal episode of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that might be in hell but can't tell the difference. I'm your host Craig, and since DC's Legends of Tomorrow recently completed its fourth season, I thought it might merit a conversation. So, joining me on this magical time travel tour, try saying that ten times fast, we've got Andrew. Hello there. I'm sorry if I made a mess outside, um, yeah, but the, the, the wave rider just uh, wouldn't would fit into the, the disabled parking space. That's always the way, isn't it? <laughs> Bloody wave rider. Too large for its own good. Should have used the shrink ray. Oh, I've never, never even thought of that. Yeah. That's why I'm here. Uh, we also have Chris. He's Hello. Here. I, I can't afford a spaceship. I, I just use a time courier. I just use the time bus. Time bus. It never arrives. <laughs> Literally never. And when it does, to arrive at once, causing <laughs> multiple collisions in the timeline. And when it does, it was yesterday. And after <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm late. I don't know what I'm doing with this. Fine. Okay. Right. Before we get on to our featured topic, let's do our soon-to-be award-winning Neil Before Rise Again segment. It was award-winning in the previous podcast. Now it's soon-to-be award-winning. Time travel. Eventually we'll find out what award it wins and how it wins it. Uh, time travel. We're always out of time on this podcast. Okay, so, Andrew, do you want to give us a Neil Before? I will, and interestingly, um, it's, uh, my, my first Neil Before was something uh, I, I was previously writing against. Because uh, this is uh, about a TV series called Whiskey Cavalier, which, uh, which is... Uh, uh, quite uh, a quite fun uh, comedy drama espionage type type thing, which was uh, recently very unceremoniously cancelled after its its first season. Um, but a few days ago it got un- uncancelled, so it's now coming back again, and this makes me happy because I really enjoyed it. Oh, uh, how did it get uncancelled? Did it get saved from the depths of hell with a deal with Satan or something? No, actually, I I think I think just enough people made a noise about it online that. The ABC decided to bring it back again. Fair enough. Yeah, I've never even heard of this. It's what Long Con is doing at the moment, instead of being in, in The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Spoilers for The Walking Dead, I assume. No, 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 no actually, no, uh, Maggie's, Maggie's still alive in The Walking Dead, she's just not in it. Oh, I see. Um, More spoilers for The Walking Dead, everyone. <laughs> on, I mean, does she go on holiday or something? I mean, the, the, no, no, she, she just, no, she's just literally not there. Oh. And it's infrequently addressed. It's just, you just she's over there you just missed her <laughs> <laughs> she she told me to tell you that she's going to be back any minute yeah, yeah. <laughs> just having all these off-screen conversations with people it's just oh yeah you, you won't believe that conversation i just had with maggie here's what here's what she said uh all summarized <laughs> cool uh well i'm always happy to hear about a show that gets uncancelled um fans deserve to have their shows uncancelled so that's nice that's that's good. Chris, have you heard of this? Uh, I've not, but I've I've scribbled it down on a post-it note uh, to chase up later. Cool. You and your post-it notes. So, what are you kneeling before, Chris? Uh, I am going to kneel before the news coming out about uh, Christopher Nolan's next movie, Tenant, 
It's a sort of spy action film, and there's been a lot of sort of casting news and different bits and pieces coming out about it. Let me guess, it's the same people he always works with. <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. But it sounds kind of interesting, so yeah, I'm going to kneel before it. Cool. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Christopher Nolan. Now I'm just going to hide behind this uh, this riot shield for all the fruit that is sure to get thrown at me. But yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I think he's fine, but I think he's also overrated. Uh, so I'm not that excited about this. I thought Dunkirk was well overrated, and now I've just lost all credibility. Apparently, according to a section of fandom, you had credibility. It's some, some. It's now gone. Ah, okay. Yeah, and now I'm a Nolan hater, which I'm not. <laughs> but, but you know, as far as the internet's concerned, it's extreme. So I am a Nolan hater, I guess. The Dark Knight Rises is crap. Who said that? <laughs> people with taste <laughs> oh yes that's um, I'm bringing someone else down with me we can uh, go on this anti-Nolan parade to- together I once got uh, com- completely roasted on Twitter for backing up one-, one of the other writers at Starburst who was um, expressing his ambivalence for for Iris in, in The Flash oh wow this was like in about like I remember around season two when she was like really boring and irritating and didn't do very much and like like massive swathes of fandom just just like descended upon him. Yeah, and, and I sort of commented just like, yeah, I don't like her as well either. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Should have uh, referred them to my reviews where I would constantly refer to her as Princess Iris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she was so entitled. Yeah, that's pretty much my reasoning. But it's not even the Flash podcast, and we're giving it a kick in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting. To, I'm starting to feel like it's some kind of bullying that we're doing now. We're just like kicking this below average show while it's down. It just just sort of transcends everything, doesn't it? It's yeah. you know, you get a chance, you still find a chance to give it a little kick. That's it. There's all it, all roads lead to kicking the Flash, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's just so many things to. Like, like to to slag off about it, then then they become tangentially related to everything else. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Christopher Nolan, fine. That's cool, I guess. I'll watch it, <laughs> but yeah, whatever. Um, I will. I will remain on the kind of yeah, whatever side of the fence on that one for for now. But cool. He was always going to make another film. Okay. So my Neil before. I'm going to know before the Maleficent 2 trailer. I can't remember what the actual film is called. It's got like a subtitle, but looks all right. It's pretty good. I think we may have talked about it in the last podcast, but uh, whatever. Uh, I didn't kneel before it, so it's valid. I think it looks pretty good. I really liked the first one. I thought there was a an interesting little allegory that they were working on that it seemed like Angelina Jolie was the only person involved who was actually in on it. You know, you had the whole... Um, the scene where she got her wings cut off after trusting a man, which is very, it's, it's very, very... Timely? Yeah, timely. It's very, very clear what they were aiming for there. And I liked it. And it's it's one of those rare things that Disney are doing where they're actually taking something that they had before and trying something different with it, um, which may or may not allude to a rise against at some point. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I like the first one. I think they can do cool things with this one because they're just they're doing whatever they want with it. They're turning it into something of a kind of frustrated anti-hero, which seems to work. 
So I'm, I'm on board with that. I've not actually watched it. It's, it's, it's also reminded me that I've not actually seen Maleficent. Oh, well. Which, if it's something else, you should probably rectify it eminently. Yeah, fix that, like, at once. Well, maybe not right now, we're busy. But <laughs> fix it at once. Sort of. Yeah, See, yeah, I'm off. Sort it out when you're not on company time. Just going to do just going to do a Natalie and sit and watch a film while the podcast <laughs> is happening. Just <laughs> And eat noisily throughout. Yeah, well, that goes without saying. You can't watch a film without popcorn, apparently. Or Doritos. Very loud Doritos. So there we go. On to Rise Against. Andrew, hit us with our Rise Against. Right. Well, I, I am rising against the cancellation of The Tick. This was an over-the-top comedy comic book series, which was uh, being shown on Amazon Prime. Um, and and the the tick of the title is is a character of mysterious origin who's a a, a big man in uh, in a blue insect suit, which may or may not be his actual skin, um, and nobody knows who he is or where he comes from, and he might actually be insane. The the series is a whole a whole hell of fun. It it does, doesn't 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 take itself seriously, uh, I, like but 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 at the, at the same time. It, like it, it isn't stupid, and the the second ser- series of, of it was recently released, and now Amazon have decided that they're not going to make any more of it. Here it is. I saw the first two episodes of it at the Edinburgh TV Festival. Fun fact: promised a QA, paid like twelve pound for it. They showed. Was it one or two episodes? I think it was two episodes they showed. So the, the entire experience was about forty minutes. There was no Q and A. I've never felt so ripped off in all my life. Yep, I mean, I have, but <laughs> I've never felt so ripped off. Not, not so blatantly. <laughs> yeah, it was just wow. That was not worth the money. It was even less worth the money than that single episode of Red Dwarf they showed at the TV festival. Not the same year, but at least that had a Q and A, which was kind of almost worth the price of admission. <clears throat> But that's a that's a personal anecdote. I thought it was okay, the first two episodes. I haven't gone back to it because I don't have time, but I guess that's a shame. I really like the cartoon. I, I love the cartoon. Does yep. he yell spoon really loudly for no reason in this one? Uh, not not frequently, but but, um, but, he but does. yes. Oh, but he does, good. yes. I haven't forgotten. That's good. Because that would be a shame. That was like his catchphrase in the cartoon. Yeah, 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 and and, the, and there was also a, a, another live action series of it as well, which which was um, which was made, made in about two thousand one or so, yes, and where the tick was played by Patrick Warburton. I remember that. I didn't actually see much of it, but I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, there was only like nine episodes of it. Hmm. But well, the yeah. cartoon was on like Fox Kids or something like that when I was growing up, and yeah, I would yeah. watch it because. Yeah. Because it's a cartoon. Because it was on and I had the remote and if I moved, my parents would get it back and then I wouldn't be able to watch TV anymore. Yeah, well, that's the rules. Yep. Yep. I would just sit there and make them suffer through crap that I wasn't even enjoying. Just just so I could stay <laughs> yep. on the TV. Yes, that, that sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah, 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 except I was also doing it with two younger sisters. Yeah. That, that must have been a yes, interesting there, 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 there were battles. And arguments. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame that it's being cancelled, really. I I, I quite liked it. I have watched uh, the first series. I've not watched the second one yet. 
Um, but yeah, it seems a bit of a shame that it's it's been cancelled. I, I liked the first season. It wasn't one that I I sort of went and I binged. I would sort of go back to it every once in a while. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was one that didn't really take itself too seriously. There was a bit of mystery in it, um, which allowed them a bit of uh, a bit of leeway to do interesting things with the characters. So yeah, a bit of a shame that it's been uh, it's been cancelled. There it is. Okay, so what do you want to rise against? I am going to rise against uh, unskippable pre-roll adverts and paid-for streaming platforms. <laughs> Is there a specific culprit in mind? Uh, there's a couple of culprits that have started doing it now, and I am here to rebel against it. The uh, the protests start here, because this is not what uh, streaming platforms were made for. We're already paying a subscription. Get your adverts off my screen. Let me watch my stuff. Thank you. Name and uh, shame, or say a word that sounds like the, the actual... Um, if I wanted TV immediately... Uh, <laughs> maybe a platform that caters for me they are starting to do it uh, also if I had a streaming platform that was maybe named after my large shopping chain uh, online shopping train that happened to be named after a river um, I have also started doing it um, so I, I don't know. Uh, answers answers in the comments section below, everyone. Um, so it's uh, if, if you get two of them, you win a prize. Uh, the prize is that uh, there is no prize. Or it's a surprise. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll pick in the edit. So, it just, it just uh, means yeah. that Chris has to pay for it because he's now promised it. So Yeah, I, I've promised for either a lack of a surprise or a surprise. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> But yeah, uh, that's that's what I'm rising against because I, I kind of feel it's like, do you know what? That's exactly what TV is, and if TV is now going to become like even more subscriptiony and uh, pre-roll adverts, but now on streaming platforms, I kind of feel that that's what we went to streaming platforms to avoid in the first place. Yeah, that sounds like it sucks. Yeah, yeah. Is it all adverts for their own stuff or just general adverts? Uh, adverts for their own stuff primarily at the moment, but you almost have the feeling that this is testing the water to see how peeved off people get with these adverts, and if enough people don't complain, they'll go, ah, well, we can do pre-rolls for our own stuff, and then they'll go, hey, uh, do you want to advertise on our, our channel? Yeah, It's like, hey, subscriber, you've already subscribed, but why not subscribe so you can watch this? Yeah. Have you had a look at all the other great stuff that's on offer somewhere vaguely around this screen? You should click on it. Um, and then you also get the feeling that, you know, particularly ones that are tied to sort of uh, shopping accounts and such, that it means that they can just throw up adverts for things that you've maybe looked at. Uh, you know, whenever you Google something for shopping and then suddenly you have a little look about on another website and there's an advert for the exact thing you've just been Googling or something similar to. Yes, um, yes, yes, and all too well. Yeah, you just know that that's the way it's going to go on these TV platforms eventually, isn't it? It's mm. like, you know, you mentioned the word, uh, I don't know, banana around about a smart speaker somewhere in your room and suddenly there's adverts for bananas everywhere. It's a depressing thought. I don't even like bananas. And now I've said it, they're going to be everywhere. <laughs> oh. My most surreal experience about this was I made a comment on in a conversation on Facebook um, uh, referencing 
uh, large male appendages. <laughs> um, oh no! And for a while after that, I was bombarded with homoerotic adverts for sexy underwear. Wow! How did you know the difference? Because of the the way that the models were posed with each other, uh. and the, and by their their general look and demeanours. Normally, gets adverts for non-sexy underwear. That's... <laughs> it was very, very business-like formal underpants <laughs> up until that point, and then suddenly it all became kinky underpants. He just keeps talking about comfortable underwear until now, and now <laughs> that's it. Doesn't know where to get his comfy underwear anymore. Yes, and suddenly just, uh, just, just, just having multiple images, images of of big, big muscular guy in skimpy briefs thrust in my face. Yeah, those are the same pictures that I get. You, you're getting. Uh, briefs frosted into your face I, d- I didn't know that was you <laughs> yeah, well, everyone's got their own kinks not, not, not to judge me for it. <laughs> Does it I mean it must feel like watching a CW show <laughs> uh, if only I have a segueing, but we still have one one rise against left. Damn it! Nine. We almost we almost need almost to re-edit and shuffle these re-edit. about. <laughs> yeah, well, it wouldn't make any sense though. But never mind. We're the king of the crappy segways, so that's fine. So my rise against is one I alluded to earlier. It's going to be the live-action version of Aladdin. No. Oh, I hated it with a fiery passion. It's a charmless, passionless, uncreative piece of crap. Uh, Will Smith doesn't even try. He's just playing Hitch. Uh, he, he sings, which is unnerving. Very unnerving. Uh <laughs> Jafar is, this version of Jafar is one of the worst villains I've seen in quite some time. It's just I don't understand why anybody would watch this when the cartoon exists because it's a much longer much more terrible version of the cartoon. So why? I mean, you could spend an hour and what, 40 minutes? Something like that? Watching the cartoon and have a satisfying experience out of it. Or you could spend two hours watching this crap and and then start questioning your life choices, which is what I did while I was watching it. Uh, <laughs> it's terrible. Don't see it. Um, it doesn't bode well for The Lion King, which I think the novelty will eventually wear off. That Oh my God, these lions look amazing. Uh, that novelty will wear off about 15 minutes in, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm just watching the same film. So... Yeah. Except that, except that they're photoreal animals, so so you can't can uh, get get to to express as well. Indeed. And yeah, it's not live action though. I don't care what anyone says. They should they should stop saying that. They should correct that. Right. Yep. Yes. Yeah, hence my non use of that phrase. Yeah. But yeah, Aladdin, load of crap. Don't watch it. If you've already watched it, I'm sorry. I wasn't here to warn you sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel that we've been warning people since the initial trailers and news came out because I, I think I think we've managed to rise against it. I think about three times in the run up well, for different remember, purposes. It was like last week. I mean, it may not be published yet, but well, it definitely isn't published yet by the time I record this. But I was rising against the clip of uh, the Prince Ali song as hmm. sung by Will Smith, and it's even much. It, it, I mean, it's just bad. Everything about it is just. Bad. Well, not everything. Naomi Scott, aka the Pink Power Ranger, as Jasmine, she's really good, but she's in a bad film, so that's a shame. She's kind of, she's knocking it out of the park, and the the park is rubbish. Was was was, was she not was she not the the yellow one? Nope, she was pink. Okay. Yeah, the yellow one. I can't remember her name. 
but it wasn't her. Um, yeah, she sings. She can sing, which is good. The guy playing Aladdin is okay, but he doesn't have a lot to work with. Will Smith is, you know, he's Hitch. If you like Hitch, you probably think he's okay. I mean, I didn't mind Hitch, but I didn't want to see it again. Uh, especially not with a giant blue guy. Sometimes. He's not blue that often. That's another one. So yeah, Aladdin. Anyone else seen it? Just me? Uh, no, I've not seen yeah. it yet. No, I, I haven't yet. I'm not really worth rushing to see it, because for, for one thing, I've already seen it in the 90s. And yes, and also, I've, I've kind of gone off Guy Ritchie over the last few years, because he just, he just becomes so self-indulgent. And I just and every new project he's a part of I'm less and less interested in well you can't really tell it's him that made this film it isn't really there's nothing really signature about his style there are no gangsters for a start Uh, which is I don't know maybe that would have been something different who knows so that's that no one else has seen it nicely dodged don't bother it's crap Uh, Okay, shall we move on to our featured topic where we talk about season four of Legends of Tomorrow? Yes, I think we shall and we will. Cool. Uh, shall we tell Gideon to activate the spoiler, whatever it is, the spoiler drive? I don't know. Shall we tell Gideon that there's going to be spoilers? <laughs> yes. We'll just do that up front because there will be spoilers and you can't be bothered with not not pretend uh, pretended there isn't spoilers so Gideon make it happen very well Captain so format that we made work sort of last time uh, we're going to kneel before rise against two things each since there's three of us there was two of us last time so it was three things each but there's three of us now so two things each so we get the same amount of content so I'm going to give Andrew the first crack at it kneel before something Okay. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to be kneeling, uh, kneeling before um, the 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 first half of the series that I I really enjoyed with all of the monster hunting exploits because even though they they, they all were largely stand- standalone episodes, um, with, uh, without 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 too much of of a through line, I I just thought that they, they were just really really good fun. Um, and and you could and you could tell that the writers were were, were like. Were really enjoying themselves, just coming up with the daftest ideas that that they could think of, uh, like hunt, hunting a hunting a unicorn at Woodstock, and like a fairy godmother during a Salem witch trials, um, and accidentally uh, writing a giant monster into existence and inspiring the the, the director of, of Godzilla in the process. Yeah, just 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 lots of, lots of things like that were. That's why we're just just re, uh, re, really 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 enjoyable, and we're, we're all the team got, uh, all had a part to play in in di- in different ways. They were all just every, every, everything that I've come to really really enjoy about Legends. And while the series series w- w- was like that, it was some, it was like uh, some of the most important kind of appointment appointment viewing at the time. Yeah, uh, first half of the season was good fun. Uh, I really like when you have John Constantine kicking about because he's your magical expert and it was whenever he would turn up and he and, you know he saw the fairy godmother and he was like what the hell is this I, I've never seen this before I mean he eventually finds out that the rules are the same it's just the legends are encountering more ridiculous stuff than he's ever encountered before and he's you know the John Constantine's this kind of dark conflicted figure fighting all these horrible evil demons and then suddenly he's fighting a fairy godmother <laughs> you know, it's just his reaction. He's just, what, what have you guys got, got me sucked into here? What is this? Why? Why are we dealing with this? 
you know, he's got to be a summer holiday camp leader and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's situations that you wouldn't expect that character to be thrown into. And yeah, I I agree. That initial beginning to the season with sort of all the different monsters and where they found them was brilliant. You know, the sort of monster hunter gatherer stuff. Yeah, well, the um, the camp counselor thing was actually like a masterstroke of of character work. Uh, if you think about like the kind of roles that these people were put into, it's like John Constantine's torn up over the fact that he damned a child to hell, so he gets to kind of make up for that by helping kids. Uh, Ava's never had a childhood, so she gets to have a childhood. Ray is a child, so <laughs> he, you know he's he's right at home, and so on. You know, it's just. Um, and they even did that, like with the you were talking about the the monster that they willed into existence through writing, and it's like about mixed insecurities about his ability as a writer, and it's one of those, you know, it's something that every writer has suffered at one point. That am I any good? Problem, and it's like it's up to him to solve the problem because he's the creative type on the team. It's just, it's just these little amazing character beats that they throw in, and it's it kind of elevates it above the ridiculous because they just. You know, they find the right note for a particular character to hit to make the story work. And they just do that consistently. And it's, yeah, and it's just, I mean, it's stupid and fun, but it's it's great. Precisely because it's stupid and and fun is why Legends is so enjoyable. Because that's the tone that they've created for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I'll be very surprised um, if anything ever ever tops a, a, a CGI demon battling a giant Bebo. Um But if it, <laughs> but if it, if it, but if they if they if they manage to if they manage to, then I'll be very pleased. Yeah, that was that was a notable highlight. It has to be said. Yeah. Okay. So, anything else on that one, or shall we move on? Yeah, cool. Okay, Chris, give us a rise. Be the be the crap in the crap sandwich. I was the crap say the, the crap in the crap right? sandwich. Well, Excellent. Well, um, well, okay. Wouldn't the part of the crap sandwich be the bread? Because crap is disgusting. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's the it's the feedback tool. It's uh, I'm not going to say the word because then I'd have to bleep it out. Uh, but <laughs> it's a crap sandwich, as in you start off with your compliment, which is your uh, or your good thing, which is your first slice of bread then you have the filling which is you know crap and then you have the other slice of bread which is another compliment so that's what i'll be doing so are we making like a a crap club sandwich yeah sure why not because it's going to be multiple layers well no there'll be multiple sandwiches oh right okay so it's multiple crap sandwiches or eventually are we going to end up with a sandwich sandwich we'll see who knows? This is Legends of Tomorrow. Anything can happen. <laughs> I'm sorry I made you overthink this. <laughs> that should be the name of this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry I made you overthink this. Yeah, it pr- probably sums yep. it up pretty well, actually. Yeah. Um, what am I going to rise against? Um, I'm going to go for uh, the Hay World surprise reveal. Um, I was surprised when it happened however what confused me more was couldn't a lot of things have been solved just by him telling the truth right up front 
then it wouldn't be a surprise. That's yes, true. Also, but also, also, there was opportunity so much earlier to get all that revealed. Yes, and it also wouldn't be a CW show if everybody <laughs> actually sat down and had a proper adult conversation to clear up any possible misconceptions. We can't don't, have that. And where would all the drama come from? Don't blame me for the CW's choice of fillings for this crap sandwich. I'm just providing them, okay? I'm just spreading it. <laughs> Was it not the... I mean, I think Nate summed it up the best when he said, my dad made a deal with a demon to build a magical amusement park. You know, when you say it out loud, it just outlines exactly how ridiculous it yes. is. I, yeah. I love the ridiculousness of it. I love that it is very, very legends. What I didn't understand was that it took the character's death before it was revealed and it took a lot of hate directed at the character without him just going, oh, and by the way, this is what I'm doing. It's not for some secret military project. It's not for some torture camp. I'm training them to perform tricks at a theme park. (laughs) And I think it would have been just as funny a reveal without it being on a a silly video in the basement at a funeral. And I think to extend... um the, the kind of, I suppose, disappointment. I'll bring it to the finale, which I think was kind of disappointing in the sense of they were all just, like, pissing about in this theme park, making possibly the least entertaining sideshow that I've you can ever see. I mean, it's it's one of those things, you, you know, I, I like to periodically remind people that Sarah used to be this tortured assassin responsible for the deaths of, I don't know, hundreds of people. Uh, she's very conflicted. Then she was brought back from the dead. And was even more conflicted, and now she's standing in the front, in the centre of a, a a sort of performance tent, uh, w- performing a bad skit. I mean, could you go back to season two of Arrow and just think, oh yeah, I could see Sarah performing <laughs> for a crowd in like five years. I've I've got a friend who's currently watching uh, Arrow, uh, on uh, a streaming service named after a river and they don't have up-to-date seasons yet and he's not watched legends of tomorrow yet and uh, i don't know when it's going to break but i imagine that conversation when it happens (laughs) (laughs) but it was all this i mean it's one of those things that makes me wonder about the sharedness of the shared universe so like presumably in arrow people will have heard of hayworld because the, all their hate will have been directed into this area. I don't know. Or their fear. It wasn't their hate. It was their fear. Uh, and it's like, hey, though, about this park that's opened uh, with like magical creatures. and that, that, That's weird. Uh, and also, who's that guy wearing my costume? <laughs> I, I didn't yep. legally endorse this park. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, I've started to, to get the impression um, that, that, aside from the crossovers, um, each of the shows just largely exist inside their their own bubble. It's just uh, because, because so often there are events that, that would have ramifications like th- th- throughout the whole world, yeah, ex- except they just never ever get referenced. And I, I think at some point they just they just decided that it would it would be too complicated to try to. To maintain constant continuity, and it just thought, screw it. Let's just, just, let's just like do what we want, and we'll figure 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 out how it affects it later. I think Legends got away with it for a while because a lot of what they were doing was either happening in the past or the future. I think the problem with this season, with tying Legends in, is it's all happening, or a lot of the action is happening in the present day. Yeah. So the reveal of monsters 
and Repalmer's app and all this sort of stuff all happens in the same universe as the rest of the show's going on. None of that's unwritten or taken out by the end of this. Normally with Legends, either there's you know something that changes the timeline back to what it was, or it's all happened so long ago that it it's you know it's now legend in inverted commas. So I, with this, I was a little bit yeah. It it seems like the kind of thing that would have an impact. Finding out that oh by the way, all throughout the world are these magical creatures that have been deposited off. Uh, so you've now got the metas and you've now got the magical creatures to be scared of. Yeah, and I mean, I was watching the finale like the other day and prep for this, and it was just, it was, it was just, it felt like a bit of a mess to me. You know, the just that whole let's make a show and divert people's attention away from like the horrible magical creature problem that they're they're all afraid of, and um, oh yeah, and we're going to have a portal to hell open, but you know that's that's not really that big a deal because let's focus on this. Really, like really crappy side show that we have to put on. And when did they have time to rehearse for this? And uh, and yeah, it was all that. It was just such a bad skit. It was the oh, is that the Flash over there? It's like no, it isn't. Okay, <laughs> just, it just isn't. <laughs> you think they rehearsed? You're cute. <laughs> well, you're, just like somebody, you're, you're just embarrassing yourselves. Just stop it. <laughs> so it's. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is ridiculous, but it's not ridiculous in the way that I'm having fun. It's ridiculous in the way that I'm like, how is it? Just how is this happening? It, it makes you cringe. Yeah, it was it was very cringy. Yeah, uh, and the magical theme park thing. I think it was just a bad idea, in general. And I think the the resolution of that idea was bad. I mean, is Hey World now going to keep existing? You know, is um, well arrows disappearing, but in the Flash is. Is Ralph saying, "Hey, I'm just back from Hayworld, guys. I had a great time." <laughs> oh, please! <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've, you've also got to think of all the poor, poor builders that were just put out of business by writing it into existence. Yeah, you know, like uh, he's he's pal the builder that was there, sort of working really, really hard on putting it into reality, and that's his contract just been finished, terminated yeah. early because the park already exists. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's like all those, all those poor builders all put out of business. It's uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just it was for for me. It was yeah, okay. It's a, a bit of a funny bit, but the way it was delivered wasn't quite right. And in the finale, uh, I know we're kind of skipping ahead quite a bit, but in the finale, it was kind of disappointing to me. Though seeing them all dressed up as other Arrowverse characters to try and endorse the park because the legends would have no credibility to, to get people into the park, was pretty good. Uh, and the throwaway line of, you should have done the crossover, yeah. um, being being fired back was enough, really. That, that well, was good. Considering on the other shows, you had the monitor turning up to do something. Uh, except on Flash, he doesn't show up on Flash. But in this, he's just like eating popcorn in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, is this, is this legend set up for crisis? It's just the monitor showed up to do something bad, but then was enjoying the show and decided to just watch it instead. So is that how they're going to solve crisis? They're going to put on a show. God, Why not? not? <laughs> <laughs> but we say, yeah, when the... We asked uh, we asked the Trinity and they said no. Or they said hard pass. But, uh, hard pass. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I mean, Oliver Queen was too busy going off on some kind of interdimensional adventure. Kara uh, uh, has better things to do, and uh, Barry is, well, God knows what he's up to. But uh, it's not filming adverts, that's for sure. 
Yeah, 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 there was one, one, um, one small thing I was wondering. Um, uh, uh, what was that? Was that actually the the first time that that Sarah has as like as uh, ever been ever, ever been referred to as the White Canary? I I, I, I out loud. No, I don't know. It, it has before. happened before. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I forget when, but it has happened before. Yeah. It's just. I mean, the show has essentially become a superhero slash magical sitcom, so. It's not really about superheroes anymore, as such. So they never like suit up anymore, other than for stuff like this, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yes, or or, or crossovers when they need they, they need to look supremely badass. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, we're ready to move on to something more positive. Yes, yes. Let's put bread on this crap sandwich. Yeah, let's say yeah, put a top on this crap sandwich. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go straight in with this. I'm just going to kneel before the Bollywood musical number. Because <laughs> because it was incredible. Uh, sort of, I'll sort of take you through my thought process as this episode came on. It was like, we're back in Jane Austen times. I was like, oh God, it's a Jane Austen episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I was all set to hate it. I was just ready to just watch this and hate it. And then you had all this kind of, you know, this, I'm going to call it softcore CW stuff in the middle, which was, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, it's exactly the same as it is in any other show where they give that a try. And then, suddenly, you have a musical number. And I was watching it, and I was like, I was I was, I was, was uplifted. Let's, let's use that word. I was uplifted by the, the number. And then it came to writing my review of it, and I was sitting there thinking, I have no idea what they were singing about. I'm sure it was important, but I have no idea. So I had to watch it again, and then I watched it again. And I watched it another, like, ten times. But... <laughs> But I really liked how it tied into Zari's arc of like being very closed off, not like not wanting to start relationships with people because she essentially thinks that everybody's gonna die and she's gonna lose everybody, so she kind of sticks to herself, keeps to her you know, keeps to the I'm the only person I can trust kind of thing. And then the song is about her opening herself up to the possibilities of not doing that anymore. And it's sort of the completion of her arc there and then uh, and when Mona turned up and was like, "Whoa, why did I just sing that?" Oh well, I guess I'll just go with it. Like there was no even there wasn't even a beat between her realizing that she was singing and then deciding to go with it because that's what this show is now. They will just roll with the punches, and it was like, yeah, it was great. It was very well choreographed. It was very well sung. I mean, the the people in the show are stupidly talented. It's not fair. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought I thought that was. I thought, yeah, I thought that, that, that that whole episode in general was was quite good fun. The musical number in, in particular, and also where Zari, where it seems like she about to get into a, get into a sexy threesome, and just kind of look, <laughs> it's like, kind of looks at the camera is like, "This is a dream, isn't it?" Yeah, and then it had the the Nora and Ray sort of moving forward. Uh, you know, I feel like I I feel like I want to express my feelings through verse. <laughs> 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 It's hard to take Ray seriously most of the time, which is quite jarring when he's pretending to be a demon. He's not pretending. I mean, he is a demon, but Brandon Routh is pretending to be a demon. Like he was, it was just like a little hard to just hard to swallow, especially when Neron was like like doing like the doing like the, the whole faux jovial thing, which I find so tedious when villains do. So, Chris, what do you think of the musical number? Uh, I enjoyed it. There's been a few little musical cues this year, and yeah, that that was one that I didn't actually mind. I thought it was it was really good fun. Well, you had uh, Biff Tannen. I mean, uh, his name's Hank, but, you know, Biff. <laughs> yeah, he was still Biff. <laughs> yeah, he's always Biff. So, yeah. 
Um, musical numbers. Let's have more of them, please. If only Aaron was still watching, he might enjoy it. I think he'd still find some reason to hate it. it there was a dance routine. There was singing. I mean, this could be the season to get him back. Nah. Nah, because then he'd be like, the time travel's rubbish. <laughs> and I mean, it is, but strangely, we don't care. Yeah, so the scores on the doors at the moment is, uh, I don't know, we're not keeping score. Um, me and Andrew have knelt before one thing each. Chris has risen against one thing. So let's move to the second part. Um, and Andrew, I'm going to make you rise against something now. Okay, All right. I am going to rise against Gary. Wow. Just just Gary, in general. Not specifically, but generally his development. I, I quite liked him to begin with, just when he was just when he was introduced as like a, a, comic, a comic relief character. Just, just somebody who, who was like really enthusiastic and over and eager and just a, a, a little bit bumbling. Just just like to like to, to, to keep him entertaining. Um things but as the series progressed, the issue of him really not knowing what he was doing and him, him generally being clueless, but which just kept on being amplified to the point where he was kind of, kind of becoming dangerously incompetent, and literally everything that he was doing he was generally putting people's lives in danger. And by, and by the end, just every moment that he, that he was on screen, I just wanted him to, to go away and do something else because I couldn't be bothered listening to any more of his whining. <laughs> I can see where you're coming from, although I actually am. Um, I always felt kind of sorry for Gary because he is that. He's the workplace idiot, right? And, and every workplace has one. And if you're not sure who it is, it's definitely <laughs> you. You know, and um, I guess most fans will think they're a Sarah or a Ray or whoever, but they're probably a Gary. Let's face it. And um, I liked it when, you know, when he sort of agreed to. Accept uh, Neuron's deal because it's like I can't, I don't want to be put upon anymore, I don't want to be insulted anymore, I want some respect and all that kind of stuff. And then he decides when he gets the power of like wishing, it's like what would happen if you gave an idiot the ability to have wishes granted? And he just keeps wishing for crap. It's like I want book club, I want to be captain of the wave rider, I want a third nipple for some reason, you know, just to have a spare, why not? Uh, and then it actually turns out that he was doing all that to distract the fairy godmother because he wanted to protect the legends because they're his friends and he's a hard character to root for but I, you know I really wanted to I really wanted him to succeed it was just uh, it was all these little touches you know that, that suggest that he's a kind of a deeply broken person it's like this is the bathroom I cry in and it's played as a joke but that's actually really not funny that's like really that's really deep seated mental stuff that that he's dealing with or not dealing with as such. Um, and it's kind of the, what if someone is so badly mistreated for a long period of time, what what happens to them and, and how do they react to that? And and I think the way they did it was, was good. And then eventually he is part of the team, you know, he's, um, he's he decides to stop trying to be on the team and just is on the team. Uh, and some of his line delivery in the finale was really funny. Once Ben the Dragon came out and he was yelling like, "Everybody remain calm!" and he was about to pat, he was panicking, but he, uh, stuff like that. So yeah, I quite like Gary. I feel sorry for the guy. I've, I've got to say, I'm kind of with Craig on this one. Uh, Gary can be annoying when used too much. I think Gary is a fun sort of side character or surprise character to drop in on different things. 
However, I don't like him as a, a character that is in sort of a major focus of an episode or recurring quite a lot during an episode. Uh, sort of things in the um, in the sort of finding Eva episode where she was trapped in I don't know like a massive IKEA or wherever they were. Um, I kind of liked him constantly turning up in there as like this really annoying sort of salesperson helper aid sort of thing because you're sort of seeing him in like Eva's uh, perception of him. Uh, there's lots of little bits like that that I, I, I quite like that they've done with him. I find it the the kind of got that difficult position where it's like what what do we do to move this character forward and not just keep him doing the same stuff again and again um so yeah i don't know what they're gonna do with gary i think overexposure could be a bit much but um yeah i, I like gary green he's all we need he's all the man we need all the man <laughs> uh, any counter thoughts andrew after we've uh defended them. I do, I do see where, where you're coming from. Yeah, and honestly, it's it's a perception of him that I I do I do wish wish that I had. Just uh, as, as as Chris mentioned, I mean, is 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 a is character that um that that needs to to not to not be overused, and I just felt he he was a little bit. Oh yeah, he is annoying, but he's like supposed to be annoying. But yeah, I kind of I kind of root for the guy. Come on, Gary, you can do this. You've got this, Gary. Do do it for all us other Garys, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, everyone wants to be uh, Sarah or Ray or whoever, but they're probably Gary. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the way it goes. So, Chris, be positive. Kneel before something. Be positive. I am going to kneel before the fairy godmother. Um... She was introduced as like a one-off thing in a That's really a funny episode. Yeah, as it was so Tabitha, <laughs> Tabitha, yeah, 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 Tabitha, the fairy godmother. Um, she was uh, introduced as like what I thought was just a funny one-off episode where they go, "Okay, we've had a unicorn. We're going to go for a fairy godmother now," in the ridiculous, over-the-top outfit and the whole uh, sort of British nanny styley fairy godmother, and. I was not expecting her to become a recurring character through the season. Even, like, little silly cameo things uh, where she turns up in one of the alternate timelines that Constantine creates as, like, a, a sidekick to Mick robbing banks. <laughs> just silly stuff. <laughs> exactly. Just, just any silly stuff like that that came up I thought was great. And then to suddenly have her... Uh, being a bit of a villain in the season finale and and being sort of key to the whole plot, I thought was like, oh, that's great, actually. Um, it was one of those little plants through the, the series that I liked, and it's something that they've actually been quite good at this season, is that even the stuff that seemed very inconsequential in the beginning of the season, where it was like, oh, it's a monster a week thing, all kind of tied together towards the end as either useful bits for the plot or uh, characters that were going to come up again later. Well, she was the best villain the show had oh, yeah. uh, this season, for sure. Uh, Jane Carr was, was excellent. I love the way she was kind of grandmotherly in the way that she you know she portrayed herself. Uh, and, and the way she tricked Nora into taking her powers was really good. Mm. You know, the just the, well, a fellow witch. And it's like, oh, if you want to save Mona, you have to, uh, you could take my powers and all she has to do is wish. And it's like, oh, by the way, 
you're now you're now Gary's problem, uh, <laughs> and I get my I get my black robe and wizard staff, and I'm all ready for, or witch staff, and I'm all ready to to raise her some hell. Um, she was really good. Yeah, I, I I thought she was brilliant, and I was so glad when she turned out to be Tabitha, because I wasn't expecting that. Mm. You know, I was expecting oh good here we're going to have some other like, um, I don't know we're going to have some other badass Sarah like female kind of vessel that she sexy demon kind of thing yeah so I'm glad they didn't go with that because it was yeah it was ridiculous enough and then they made something really great out of it when when her real identity was was revealed as well so that was good yeah nice work legends other shows take note on your villains namely Flash just give it another kick <laughs> yeah, and also after uh, googling uh, Jane Carr, found out she was in the prime of Miss Jean Brodie because like a massive picture of uh, in the museum in Edinburgh came up, and I'm like, oh, hang on. I'm sure she was in uh, an episode of How I Met Your Mother in its final season. Uh, she was, yeah, yeah. She was trying to stop Barney from making bad decisions. Uh, yeah. Andrew, did you like Tabitha? I did actually, yes. I've got quite similar thoughts. I mean, in that, as I, I also really thought she was just going to be a one and done character, and you weren't seeing any more of her. Um, but the reintroduction of her as one of the one of the primary villains uh, was, was just was just just a stroke of genius. And the when she he talk, talks to everybody like like, like an evil granny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really genuine in, in the, way, the way that a lot of old people perceive people younger than them just with this like slight, uh, slight dis- dismissal and they contempt for not knowing as much as them yeah and I didn't, I didn't really think that other, other shows could, could do well in, in, ha- in having some badass old people as villains mm-hmm. like to, you know, just, just, just to, to give, give things some uh, bit more variance and just a bit more fun as well yeah Especially on CW shows. Yeah, we've got enough young, attractive people kicking about. Can we not, like, mix it up a bit? Okay, so my turn to be negative. Uh, I am going to rise against Neron because what a boring villain he was. He didn't do anything. Even when his plan was revealed, it's like, yeah, I've made an app. I'm hoping people will agree the terms and conditions because (laughs) no one reads them. And then, oh, by the way, only a couple of thousand people have downloaded it because, you know, the news cycle moves forward. And he just stands around and does nothing. Uh, and he does a lot of standing around doing nothing. I think Brandon Routh played him well. I think they would have been better keeping Christian Keys. He was better. Um, although it was wasn't a kick in the arse off his performance as Michael in Supernatural. Uh, but yeah, just just a really dull villain, especially when we had um, what's his Malice from last year, and he's no Damien Dark either, is he? Let's face it. Who is? <laughs> yeah, 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 no, no, is, is, is as big a ham as he is. Yeah. Uh, well, Brandon Routh comes pretty close. Let's be fair, but still, yeah, just a weak villain. And I was so glad when Tabitha was there because oh look, here's a villain that's actually doing something. Finally, that's um, like with some quantifiable personality. Yeah. I guess that's the problem when your gimmick is that you possess different actors and um, have different actors playing you, but then. Yeah, it just wasn't very good. And he was killed very easily as well. Just a quick Constantine fireball, away he goes. I kind of, I kind of feel that he could have a, a, got his plan done a lot easier if he had just maybe used some of his time, went into an app development company, added it into the terms and conditions there. You know, got a job at Apple or something, added it into the iTunes terms and conditions. 
then moved over to Google as a app developer and added it in over there and then he'd been sorted. Yeah. Like, why make your own app? Just yeah. get it added to a load of other people's. Yeah. Added to the ones that people are already using. Yeah, and then they'll just re-sign up again and hit the accept button and it's all done. I kind of like the little twist on people like selling their soul via terms and conditions because no one reads them. I thought that was quite funny. But yeah, his plan was kind of a bit dull. It didn't really... The, the the stakes didn't seem like that. The whole end game of the plan, it was like, okay, he's going to take over hell. No, he's bringing hell on earth. And it was like, okay, yeah, and then what? Yeah. Then what? Because, because reasons. <laughs> because cause why? Yeah, because then hell's on earth. It's like, but yeah, didn't he want to be like king of hell? And then he's got a whole domain down there that he rules yeah. instead of, you know, because hell, by the looks of it down there, just looks like earth, but kind of darker. Um, You know. So. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we'll get on to hell later on because um, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blow my second spoilers. Right <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just I don't know. I've, I don't have anything to say about Neron. He's he's not that great. He's just very ineffectual. I think I referred to him in, re- in reviews. Just yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, it wasn't anything like you say. It wasn't anything about the performance. It was just like his plan, the implementation stuff. Just seemed a bit. A bit rubbish in comparison to to ones that they've had in the past and sort of bigger bigger finales as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, Andrew, unless you have anything else, do you want to give us another Neil? Um. Or Neil? Yes. Um. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm going to be going to be uh, kneeling before the uh, the. the the introduction of Charlie. I was I was a little bit concerned when when there were reports um, that uh, Maisie Richardson Sellers were like was was still still going to be a part of the show. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, in in spite in spite of of Amaya uh, being be, being being written out in in a way that would preclude her continued involvement. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt that the uh, bring 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 her back as a, as a as a character. Um, like would 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 have completely undermined the ending of season three. So them finding a way to bring the actor back, but as as a different character, was 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 done was done really 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 well. I also really really like Charlie as a character. I think I think she's a great a great addition to the team. It's just because because she's somebody who just who just like doesn't doesn't have any kind of filter. She just like always says exactly what she's thinking. Um, even when even when she she knows it is it's going it's going to annoy people or if it's something that they that they don't want to hear I think that having that kind of character around really uh, really adds to the dynamic of the show. Yeah, and her growth was really good as well. I really like how she slowly became part of the team until by the end she sacrificed her freedom uh, to to save Mona, uh, and. Yeah, it, it was great. Maisie Richardson Sellers probably loved the fact that she didn't have to put on a voice anymore. You know, she could just use her native accent. Uh, and I especially loved the scenes where she had to pretend to be a Maya. They were really good. You know, her accent, she couldn't get it quite right and stuff. It's like, so your job here, Maisie, is what I presume the directors always call her. Or Miss Miss Richardson Sellers. <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, your job here is to play a Maya, but badly. <laughs> and then she's like, okay. <laughs> and then she does it. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of scenes where she's talking to John. There's the one where she's uh, infiltrating the sirens of space-time. Yeah, yeah, I like Charlie. And hopefully she'll stick around. I imagine she will. 
Yeah, I think she's been a, a good addition, actually. It was nice to see um, the actress back in the show. And, yeah, I, part of me at first thought, oh, this is just kind of a bit of a loophole to keep her involved. And, uh, you know, you kind of feel cheated out of what was meant to be the conclusion for Amaya. Um, but I think she's been quite a good addition. Um They've, they've had a bit of fun with her character, the, the the body shifting kind of thing that they've done, and they've given her a bit of development. So yeah, can't complain in the end, really. Well, you mean they, they might have under underdone her exit, like having Clark Gregg playing a villain that looks like Coulson in Ages of Because that's essentially the same thing, but we, we're not talking about that at this point. Uh, yeah, and it's a, yeah, it's a good way to recycle your actors. Uh, and, and get them doing different things. And that's something the Arrowverse does really well, I think, as well. You know, they've got... I mean, how many times have you got Tom Cavanaugh playing a new character, for example? Um, I think that's about it. But but they do that from time to time. You know, they just um, they, they spin it round and they have different... You know, they, they, they have actors doing different things with within the confines of the show, which is good. And... Um, I suppose you've had David Harrowood doing that in uh, Supergirl, the, you know, where he played the real Hank Henshaw, kind of badly, it has to be said. But uh, that's another podcast. The Cyborg Superman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's not talk about that. They've forgotten about that anyway, so that's fine. But yeah, Charlie, good addition to the team. Uh, I like the way she bounced off the, the one and the, the, the rest of the team. And the, the episode where she was trying to fix the timeline was good fun, especially when Zari was communicating with her as a cat. Apparently everyone on the team speaks cat. How does that happen? Just, like, uh, just, just lucky, I guess. Just one of those stupid things that the show gets away with on a daily basis. So yeah, Charlie, good one. Chris, hate on something. I am going to hate on Mona slash Wolfie come the second half of the season. Um, I think she was a fun little introduction at the beginning when they were doing sort of the creature tamer and they sort of slowly introduced her where she was bringing food into the Time Bureau for Gary. They did a fun little bit there and then I feel that there was no need for her after that point but the character somehow stayed for the entire season. I'm hoping that she's gone by the end of this. I have the feeling that as much as I like Gary, and I've already talked about how much I like Gary as a character, I don't feel that we need a second Gary. I think a Gary is enough. Gary is all we need. All the man we need. All the man we need. (laughs) All the man we need. We don't need Mona. She's served her purpose now. They've done the bit. She can go. And that is my my bit. I I just feel she was a bit much. She was a lot. She was a lot, and she was quite, not even whiny. I'm just trying to think of the right words. She just kind of got on my nerves a bit. I I feel that Mona might be my totem for how Andrew feels about Gary, (laughs) and that I can understand his point of view about Gary because of what I think about Mona by the end of this season. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have such a passionate reaction to her. I I did find her quite irritating at times, and... um, I mean, her obsessive fangirlness was was a bit much. Uh, yeah, the the kind of book club stuff, her turning up at the convention and just yelling, the real Rebecca Silver wouldn't say that, and it's like shut up. <laughs> it's just, it's it's one of those where it's like just just sit down, calm down. Um, 
yeah, the whole Wolfie thing. First of all, she was mutating, and then suddenly it was a different person. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree. Although I wasn't as annoyed as as you were, I guess. I didn't dislike her. Oh, too weird that she that she was a bit overused because she she had, she had a place like in, in within the Time Bureau. Uh, somebody taking care of 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 the monsters that they have imprisoned there. But as, as a as a part of Legends, like she just really didn't fit, and almost uh, every every time that. that that she was way on on some on some mission with them. It felt like she was just there, and they were struggling to actually find some purpose for her. Yeah, and I mean, I'm trying to set up the Gary Nora. This is a mistake I kept making in my reviews. Mona and Nora sound so similar <laughs> as names, ah. but I kept writing Nora when I meant to write Mona. And yeah, I, I really like Nora, whereas Mona, <laughs> I'm, I'm not so sold on, but. They, they were trying to set up that romance early on. I mean, they, they were kind of a bit weird on, on Gary's sexuality throughout. You know, sometimes... Because they tried to establish that he was gay, like, fairly early on. And then he seems to have become bisexual, but it doesn't seem to fit with what they were doing with him before. Um, I mean, I suppose, yeah, sexuality is fluid, especially in Legends of Tomorrow. But it was, and, But the way he was treating her was not okay. You know, we always try to, like, negger, you know, doing that. I'm going to, like, sting you with kind of a couple of insults and, and whatever. That was not okay. No, it didn't seem quite right. But my, my overall thing was I, th- I thought there was a place for her at the Time Bureau and then maybe as, a, like, a pop-up character, but then I kind of feel that having her full-time was much too much. <laughs> yeah, no argument there. So I'm going to kneel before the Sarah-slash-Ava relationship. Uh, I think it's one of the better long-term relationships they've done on any of these shows because they have issues, they work them out and then they don't come up again. I mean, that's that's already the best Arrowverse relationship right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the episode, yes, they, they sit down and have conversations. Yeah, they're like, okay, what's bothering you? Let's hash this out. Uh, the episode where they were fighting the way out of her pur- purgatory, which was, you know, Ikea, was really good because it was all these concerns. It was like Sarah was afraid of um, growing old with her because she couldn't imagine that ever happening. She was kind of afraid of that future. Uh, all the the mundane stuff like washing the dishes and, and, and that kind of stuff was all great. And I like, yeah, I just like the way that they bounced off each other, the way it developed. It just felt very natural. Um, and it's highly unlike a lot of other Arrowverse relationships because they weren't codependent. So you would have entire episodes where they wouldn't see each other. And even in the episodes that they were together, they weren't really flaunting their their uh, perfect love in your face. You know, looking at you, Barry and Iris. It's like, <laughs> stop reminding us that you're married. We don't care. Uh, and why is no one bothered by this other than me? Um, so it was, a good, it was a good relationship. It was well-developed. It was mature. It, it just worked. I uh, really liked it. I'm with you on it. Uh, I I had it down as as one of mine as well as something that I really really enjoyed. Um, I think they've given it plenty of time to develop. They've done those little, like you say, they come to challenges and they overcome it. They even did a little bit of the home life and stuff through a couple of episodes and trying to keep in touch and them talking about you know the struggle of uh, one being away all the time and one being at home and all that sort of stuff. And they covered it all. And they've done a lot of legwork with it. They've not rushed to anything. And any time that they had a conflict, it kind of felt quite real. Yeah. Uh, which is it, which is something very strange to be saying about legends. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it seems that like of all the shows that would have ridiculous, over the top relationship drama, 
or over the top dramatics and stuff. It would be legends. Uh, but it's not. It's actually done this really, really well. It's it's been really quite nice to watch develop. Yeah, and like the thing, the thing I just like about it is um is, is that it really really seems like the um that that they 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 have uh, a life together just uh, I, 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 with like the like the the the, the, event, the events of the show. Um, just like I start I start one episode like well, when 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 they're just when. They're when they're lying in bed together, just uh, about, about 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 to about to start watching a film. Mm-hmm. It's just 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 like just like it's like a just like simple basic everyday relationship thing thing like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas in, in a lot of these shows, it's it, it seems seems like that that every aspect of the character's relationships um, has to be relevant to 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 the story in some way. And every time they reach some relationship milestone, then that needs to be interrupted by some crisis needing averted before they can actually deal with it. Whereas with Sarah and Ava, they're they're just able to, able to keep it keep it separate and and actually have like a proper genuine adult relationship that works. I, yeah. think, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, and I think um, we've discussed that on prior podcasts where it is on these shows they hit the milestones. And little else, um, which makes the relationships feel false. But here they're just, they just be, you know, they ju- they're just allowed to just be together, and it's and it's not a big deal. Um, that's what helps sell it, and it's the little things like you talked about there. Um, also, Sarah deciding, you know what, I'm going to take an interest in what Ava likes and join book club. So I'm going to read this book, even though she really doesn't want to. I mean, she eventually listens to the audio tape, um, which I'm really disappointed that it wasn't voiced by John Noble. That would have been a nice <laughs> one, but whatever. So she listens to the you know the audible version of it or, or whatever DC legally distinct street, uh, audio book streaming service they might use. And then it turns out Ava doesn't read the books either. She just listens to uh, Mona prattle on while she drinks wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's an excuse to spend time together, which I thought was just yeah. a really nice yeah yeah. And I'm sure I mean I'm sure Nick wouldn't mind me saying this, but he you know he mentioned on Nick who occasionally appears on the podcast. I say occasionally, probably not in like over a year. Um, talked about how uh, he made a Facebook post once where he talked about how Sarah was really positive bisexual representation on television. Mm, yeah, because she just is. You know that's her. Um, that's her identity, I guess, and they do it really well because yeah, she doesn't discriminate. She loves everybody. Yeah, it, was, it has it has always seemed to me that, that she 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 seems to have a preference for women, or she certainly had a lot more opportunities opportunities with women like th- th- throughout the shows. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but also like if if there's a guy comes along that, that she likes, then she certainly doesn't say no. Such as Oliver Queen or John Constantine. John Constantine in, in the basement of a. Mental asylum. Yep. Yeah, I mean, why not? That sounds like a sounds like a Cluedo result. That <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was Sarah in the basement of the asylum with John Constantine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sarah with the lead pipe in the basement with John Constantine. That's a euphemism if there ever was one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not uh, let's not delve further into that. <laughs> so. Yes, uh, we're on our final round now, so that's cool. So, Andrew, do you want to give us a negative? Uh, yes, I am um, rising against uh, the 
the the show you uh, using people's uh, fear of the magical creatures as an allegory for human bigotry uh, and the, and the fear of people different different from you uh just because that kind of thing is starting to get really really boring <laughs> okay i accept the fact that it is a, an important issue in and uh, c- certainly nowadays where certain people are look for for any excuse they can to sow division amongst people but i think there there are better ways of doing it than than to shoehorn it into to a silly sci-fi show as an incredibly un- unsubtle subplot it, it just annoyed me it felt it felt a bit a bit forced and unnecessary and i could have done without it it also comes too late as well um because you know the public don't get exposed to them until like the second last episode and then well they're afraid, afraid of a werewolf which is you know fairly self-evident i guess um because it's a werewolf i'd be terrified yeah um it, it was poorly thought out and it was weird that there was you had the big sing along at the end to you know, to bring Nate back to life using love. That was a bit strange. It reminded me of those uh, uh, pa- uh, pantomimes of, of Peter Pan. At a point when Tinkerbell dies and the kids have to bring her back to life by cheering. I think that's what they were going for, though, wasn't it? They, did they not even make a specific reference to Peter Pan in there somewhere? Possibly. Maybe, maybe I dreamt that. Um, yeah, but... Yeah. It was something about who wants to grow old or, or whatever else. You know, like mm. the... Yeah. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, might, I, I don't think I picked up on that. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I wasn't a huge fan of all that either. I mean, the finale I've already talked about is being somewhat disappointing, and um, it, yeah, it undercuts some of the heavier stuff because I think the real stakes in that episode was the fact that Zari's future was changing, which is what she thought she wanted. Turns out she doesn't. And then when it, you know when she thinks Nate's dead, she comes out of the. The, the temporal zone and then suddenly has her life rewritten because she didn't want to she didn't want Nate to sort of die alone um, and it was like her arc throughout the series was embracing friendship embracing love embracing the team and then once she does that it ends up being like her undoing that was like eh, but again you get this undercut by we should love these monsters because they're gonna perform for us yeah because we can like come on dance monkey dance yeah weird but the yeah. Zahari stuff was great I get where you're coming from because it's very similar in themes kind of to a, another show that we're going to talk about in, in, <laughs> you know yeah. that, oh, yes. that has that has very much laid into sort of a similar path but laid the groundwork at least way way at the beginning of the season and through other seasons whereas with this it was kind of like oh there was a press conference and a werewolf attacked people at the press conference, so now everyone is convinced that there are monsters everywhere, even if there are none particularly close to them. And that seemed a bit weird to me. It seemed a bit rushed as a a thing, and maybe that should have been stoked a lot further through it. Or even, you know, the fact that they've got access to the Time Bureau means that they can take the monsters further back in time, introduce them earlier on, get people really hyped up and really scared or whatever, and then it through i mean i think they could have done stuff like that maybe but they didn't have enough episode runtime or give it enough runtime through episodes to actually do that which i think is what led to it being a bit disappointing in the final the the stuff with zari i liked 
it seemed quite consistent in the way that it came through. Um, the fact that she just sort of suddenly got switched and no one knew that she had been switched either, I thought was quite a, a surprising thing. I know that that might not particularly tie in with how time travel works in the other shows, or maybe it does, I'm not too sure. I like I I think we'd be hard pressed to sort of find the hard and fast rules for how legends time travel works. Um I definitely don't think it's written down anywhere and if it's written down in the writers room it must be written down in really really small print. Um but I kind of liked what they swapped around with whether that will stick in the upcoming season. I don't know or if it will be one of those things where people are getting sort of weird mixed up memories and they suddenly work out what's wrong and there'll be a noble sacrifice maybe or I don't know we will see or do you just give us another Zari yeah yeah well that's it there, there is a Zari presumably still um, I wasn't too sure about the conclusion they came to going okay you change this one incident and it turns out that her her future timeline didn't exist because well, if you let people like monsters and introduce this theme park, then it turns out that people won't be scared of metas, so won't have the bleak future that's yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, so Argus won't turn into a, 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 a occupying military force and kill all the Muslims. Yeah, yeah. I mean the be, yeah. yeah the the sort of the ramifications of this one this one. This one night in a theme park that a few people will have witnessed, but wasn't really that many in comparison to the amount of people who will have seen the news footage already of monsters do exist. I guess the continued existence of the theme park is what does it. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't quite buy it. Does this um, mean the Dark Arrow future doesn't happen now as well? <laughs> Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you've talked about it and I've talked about it, is it feels like those two timelines were in a sort of similar universe where, you know, Zari's got a dark... You know, there's a dark future there, there's a dark future in Arrow, and it seems quite bleak. Whereas this now goes, oh, no, actually, that was that was all resolved by a, a sing-song with monsters in a tent. And now that didn't happen. But Star City's still an absolute mess. Uh, sorry. <laughs> And crisis is happening a lot sooner than you think, so who knows? I mean, maybe they should just write Vigilante World, uh, where you can see <laughs> vigilantes perform stunts and tricks, and uh, you can all hold hands and sing together. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. Superhe- superhero Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they've already done that. As a kind of short thing. Yeah, that's what I was referencing. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's what I thought you rather, were Rather obliquely. Yeah. Okay. Chris, uh, your final positive thing. We're going to end on a negative with me, but cool. Oh. Such as the cookie crumbles. Um, I am going to finish uh, my bit with uh, the episode Legends to Meow Meow, uh, <laughs> which was the multiple the multiple timelines uh, colliding episodes of all the different alternate uh, futures, possible futures uh, for the Wave Rider and the crew. I loved it a lot. They just seem to have a lot of fun with it in all the random... Uh, I, I, I could have watched a couple of episodes of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it was just a lot of fun to watch. I know it wasn't one 
that drove the plot miles and miles into the future and stuff. But um, it was just a, like an enjoyable uh, watch, especially when there's been episodes of other shows that have been a bit dull or a bit boring. That one just completely cheered me up. How does Gideon get a body, though? <laughs> it's a good, good point, well made. It's a good point, but then once you see it, do we care? No, not really. Uh, but I kind of did, I suppose. Yeah, it was a fun episode. Um, it had some really good stuff in there with John and uh, what's his name, Des. You know the him mm. like getting to the point where he was like, no, 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 that sacrifice was necessary. There was no other way it could have happened, etc. Uh, it was a really nice little relationship thing that they did, uh, and it was it was hilarious when they they said they were bringing John Constantine into Legends of Tomorrow, and they said uh, John Constantine's going to be a you know. A chain-smoking bisexual, and it's like, all right, so it's John Constantine then. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's also going to do magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully. Um, so, they, but they did really good with that. I think um, it was really good to give John a kind of a, 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 an arc like that. I mean, I wasn't expecting it because I always see him as that kind of that possessive loner. You know, he always. Uh, he never wants to stick around anywhere, so it was good to see him at the point where he was willing to stick around with something. No, yeah. I thought I thought it was neat, and it was the kind of thing where, and and they even talked about it during the show. It was like you're given the opportunity to be able to change your past, to fix a mistake, to to right a wrong, and he, you know he, he took that opportunity. He couldn't resist it. Yeah, uh, and you you got to see him sort of toying with the idea for a while before they did that episode as well. It wasn't just like suddenly he went, oh, 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 by the way, this episode I'm going to go off and do this. Yeah. There was a bit of him toying with the idea all the way into the run-up, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, there was like him trying to kick his dad in the nuts and stuff and, <laughs> and couldn't do it. Things like that. Um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, the bit where they were talking about the missed calls from Cara Zorel, Oliver Queen and Barry Allen. So it must be the annual crossover. <laughs> You're like, eh, pass. Yeah, hard pass. Thanks. But yeah, it was good fun. That that was their crossover episode because it came on the same week. Uh, they were like, we're not allowed in this year's crossover. We're going to do our own with ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we're going to cross over with all our own alternate realities. Yeah. So just because you. we can. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um. So. My last rise against is an appropriate one. I'm going to rise against the depiction of hell because it was really lazy. The design was really lazy. Um, the episode as well. I mean, as much as I liked the episode itself, I liked seeing John come face to face with Astra and realise that, wow, I made a mess of this because she was so badly corrupted that she didn't want to leave and things like that. And it looks like she could be the villain for next season, which is something I might enjoy. Um, I think I talked about it in flash reviews where things like when they introduced I guess they came to call her Shikeda the female Cicada <laughs> and um, she was it's like oh my god it's a female villain like a female primary villain which is something they've really not done before other than Rain and Supergirl I guess uh, so that could be interesting something that's deeply personal to John as well for the next season if she's going to be the, the main villain but it was things like, okay, we're going to go to this place in hell. Um, I'm going to go to this nightclub and ask a few questions. And I'm kind of being chased, but not really. You know, it doesn't seem like that urgent a problem. And it's like, oh, God, here's Satan himself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he buddy, is. how are you doing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
in the triumvirate, which is a very deep cut comic book thing that would be far too weird to chuck into half an episode of Legends of Tomorrow, but they did it anyway. You're talk probably talking half a season of a Constantine TV show here. You know, the half of the season where he's stuck in hell and has to get out. But it was, yeah, I enjoyed parts of it. But I think the whole, I think it was too much, and it was very kind of low budget television design work. You know, we'll just take an existing set dumpster and we'll like we'll light it, um, we'll light it dimly, and we'll have our weird after effects skyline in the back that makes it look like it's hellish. It didn't seem that bad, which I <laughs> know just uh, isn't coming over right. But it's in like worst places. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've 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 been to worse bits, and I've seen some scenes in Arrow that look worse than this. You yeah. know what I mean? I have I have the feeling the people designing Gotham were like, yeah, we've got a spare set uh, that you can borrow. You know, um, it's, it's like we need to be done by five Batwoman's <laughs> filming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and you know they're going to be shooting up this uh, this bar set for an episode of Arrow soon. So you know, quick, quick, get through here and get out the other side, will you? Yeah, it it just seem, seemed a bit a bit rubbish in the in the fact that like you say it's like one of these things that would be half a season of a, a Constantine thing trying to get out of hell needs to be done in legends within like half, half an, an episode hour. a quarter of an episode's worth yeah. of time and and the solution is that a fairy godmother can pull you out of hell I, I don't know it just seems like like a really it, it took a lot of stakes out of the <laughs> of the thing, and I think that's a problem with a lot of these Arrow shows, is uh, Arrowverse shows and, and the CW ones. Is it like they they build up something as being like, oh, we can't go there. There'd be no way you'd get out alive. They'd torture you forever. Everyone's hunting after you. They'll pull you apart as soon as you arrive. And then he goes down there and he can walk about for what seems like ages with like yeah. a, a have you seen my friend sign <laughs> uh, with like a couple of people sort of mildly following him about. Yeah, there there was a, a an off-screen torture scene, but you, you don't feel that's like the comeuppance that people have been wanting him to get all this time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then after all that, it, it turns out that the, like the race spent his time playing Jenga with Vandal Savage. Yeah, what about that Vandal Savage cameo? It's just so random. It's, like, it's um, not remember season one. Yeah, it's, it's just like when they figured out what the hell they were doing. It's like, I remember when we were at each other's throats. It was over a girl. And then Nora was like, what girl? It's like, doesn't matter. Like, don't talk about it. We'd have to show it in a previously on, and we can't we can't remember that part of the show. It didn't happen. I, l- I really liked the fact that it was, it was like taking a character that was from when Legends was still sort of semi-taking itself seriously and pulling them into new Legends and just going, oh, yeah, remember how we used to take this seriously? Yeah, not anymore. Look what we did to the old villain. And it's like, you know, and that I kind of liked because it was like a big turnaround to going, oh, yeah, remember when we tried to do this a little bit? Right, well, okay, I loved it yeah, when they summed up his motivation as being like, uh, it was essentially, you know, your, your propensity for world domination and inability to take no for an answer <laughs> or handle rejection or something like that. It was one. It was something like that. <laughs> yeah, hell, whatever. Um, yeah. Well, well, the, the the one thing I, I liked about it was uh, the the twist where um with Astra. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how familiar you are with with the with Hellblazer comics. Not but, so much, but I'm familiar with the TV show Constantine. Well, well the, the, the whole the whole thing about Constantine like accidentally 
accidentally damning Astrid Hill like uh, via a botched exorcism. In, in the, uh, the, uh, that, that, that was a thing that uh, taken taken directly from the comics, and it is something that does haunt him as as one of his life's ma- major failures. And the the show's decision to expand on that and turn her like not only like in, into into an actual character and and, and not just a nebulous part of someone's backstory, but, uh, but then also show the consequences of Constantine's failure in such detail of. What our, what our time in hell has done to her well, was was a was a really good idea, and I really hope that that they do more with it down the line. Well, if she becomes the main villain for next season, it will be about him getting closure on that, won't it? So it'll let him move on mm. to some degree. Although it will still be kind of his responsibility because he, you know, made an arse of it. But um... yeah, but yeah. But with regards to the depiction of hell itself, then yeah, I I agree. It it was just a bit meh. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it basically like it didn't look like uh, much worse than Leith on a Saturday night. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, although it is slightly better than the the Lucifer version, where it's just a series of doors in a grey hallway. Yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah, or, or or that episode of Supernatural where Crowley basically turned it into the DMV. I mean, that was good. That's that's a question. <laughs> just everyone's in line. Everyone yeah. hates being in line. That's it. Yeah. Yes, uh, efficiency. Yeah, it's fine. Cool. So I don't think there's much we can do to predict what will happen next season other than Astra. She's freeing some of the worst people in history, which could be fun. Uh, although it, it kind of very much looked like at the end, it's like more of the same, and they think that Zari's brother is on the team now. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, 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 I... And I, I did, I did, I did see a, a report about about uh, about the possibility um, of of Talia Ash uh, like uh, uh, continuing to be involved in the show. Um, though I forgot to, though I got distracted by something and I forgot to actually actually read the details of it. Well, I mean, I would think she would, she would be. I think they can introduce a version of her that's clearly must still be alive. Um, it would be a shame to lose her because I think she's such a good character and. I mean, do we really need another bloke on the team? I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of hoping Nate would die because he still annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was going to be one of your rises against that it's Nate's not the fact dead. He survived. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the list. I'm not going to lie. He was dead. And I was so glad. <laughs> yes, and then he brought it back. God damn them. Yeah. The crushing surprise of Nate's revival. <laughs> I mean, it's good for uh, it's good for Nick Zeno, I guess. He gets to stay in a job, but can they not just? I don't know. Maybe it's just him that annoys me. Who knows? Sorry, Nick Zeno, if you're listening. He's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy thinking of other ways he can be annoying in in next season. Yeah. So Astra the villain, possibly Zari coming back in some way. Um. History's worst monsters. We're going to have the Hitler episode. That's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there was quite a good list on all the different coins that were in there. Yeah, and then presumably you may still have. I don't know, uh, like Damian Savage. Dark? Yeah, it was like <laughs> Damien Dark or Savager. I don't know. Whoever else Malcolm might be Merlin? down there. Is yeah, it? why not? Yeah, you could be just going to have the Legion of Doom again from season two. <laughs> That'd be but great. Hitler okay. is on the team. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the Legion of Doom, but like have the rotating historical villains. Yeah, you know? like they try out one and they go, "No, nah, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't fit in, mate. You, you, you go back." Okay, who, who else are we going to have? Yeah, yeah. 
obviously there'll be some tie into Crisis. Who knows what it'll be, but they'll be involved, of course. And once they once they start bringing bring all these historical villains, then then it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, just just how many actors from Spartacus that they they, they bring in to play them. Because yeah, I would love that so much. Yeah, yeah, it's like is a, a major recurring thing on 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 these. See the like superhero shows. It's been about, about, half, about half a dozen so far. Yeah, in various roles. Yeah, we shall see. So, on that note, we should return back to our own timelines and uh, try not to speak of what happened here. Uh, we'll put the monsters back in the box and whatever other metaphors I can think of. So, Chris, thank you for being here on this fine vessel uh, thank you for having me on your fine vessel and thank you for the sandwiches yeah they don't taste so good but you know yeah hey, free food don't knock free, free food. food don't knock free food yeah uh, andrew thank you for being here on this vessel oh crap i'm gonna have to run i'm getting a parking ticket i i forgot to, i forgot to 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 put to put my blue badge out <laughs> you forgot to do that thing that you do in a specific car park and Rotate the wave rider around after three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Although you could just go back in time three hours and just start again. No, because then you would cross over with yourself. Oh, time travel. What are the rules this week? I, I can't get parked. There's too many wave riders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm going to... I'm going to finish my whiteboard on the uh, the rules of time travel in the Arrowverse. I expect to be done sometime between now and the end of my life. There's your recurring hell. So, that was our discussion on DC's Legends of Tomorrow Season 4. Special thanks to YouTubers Dagma and Neil Stenson for the supplied music. If you enjoyed what you heard, then don't forget to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do leave a star rating and comment. If you want to talk to us about Legends of Tomorrow, the Arrowverse, or anything else, then hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Pod.